poker is a microcosm of life. So when you play poker, if you start thinking about it, you can learn tremendous business skills, everything from resiliency, assessing the competition, adaptability, thinking strategically, emotional intelligence. There's all sorts of wonderful things. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky here. Today, do I have somebody incredibly talented? This is a little bit left of center for what we normally talk about, but there's a very good reason and you can apply it to not only uh, your skills as a poker player, but your skills in business, in life, and so many other areas. And you'll understand why I say that. And with that all being said, I'd love to welcome to the show the wonderful Mr. Chuck Clayton. Welcome to the show, Chuck. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate uh, being on here today. Yeah. And look, how, how long will we be on, just so I know, so I can? Oh, look. Well, you know, it goes for as long as you need to to go. So uh, we'll we'll measure it as we go along. Great. We'll be done within six to eight hours. Okay. <laughs> well, that's uh, it's an important thing that you mentioned there, Chuck, because this is a very deep and meaningful topic. I've been through your website, as I mentioned off the call, and you know, there's so many different dimensions to it. There's the mindset. There's the process. There's you know, many different ways to master um, poker math, which is going to be our primary topic. And just uh, for context, Chuck, I'm going to be sharing with the audience that uh, you have written two books, not one, on um, mastering poker math. And uh, we're going to be talking about those and how you can use them to help you learn poker math from your good self. Um, but before we do that, need to know a little bit about you. I'd love to spend a couple of minutes finding out um, a little bit of the basics. So where are you located? I'm in Georgetown, Texas right now, and I have, I grew up in Michigan, lower Michigan, the Detroit area, uh, Dearborn Heights, essentially, was mm -hmm. the name of the place that I grew up mostly, um, had wonderful parents, and unfortunately, they passed away, mm -hmm. but they were, they were incredible influence, and, and it's, each year, I appreciate them more, <laughs> and yes. all, all the things they taught me correctly to treat people right, and to, uh, you know, go after my dreams, and all that other good stuff. So I went to engineering school at Michigan. I, I went to uh, Henry Ford Community College and Michigan Tech University, came out with an uh, undergraduate um, in mechanical engineering. And most of my career has, has been uh, doing mechanical design and development. Mm -hmm. I've also been a systems engineer, a quality engineer, a Six Sigma expert at Raytheon, uh, have worked on everything from ground support equipment at the space shuttle to uh, rockets and missiles and bombs, and also with um, oil field equipment, computer equipment. So I've got, I've got a lot of uh, different types of experiences. And when you look back, it's like wow. But wow. you know, at the time, you you, you work a job, and and um, mechanical engineering is mechanical engineering, and you'd you'd learn the different. Once you learn the basics, you can go and do a lot of different things. So I've been very very fortunate. I've been very fortunate to work with some incredibly intelligent people. And uh, hopefully a little bit of it, it's rubbed off, at least a little bit. Anyway. <laughs> I think it has. And, and uh, so I did a charity event uh, for the International Cancer Advocacy Network. And, well, I'll go back a little bit and how yep. I got into this whole poker thing. And I'll try to keep it relatively short. In uh, 2004, my sister's daughter, Claire Nelson, was diagnosed with glioma, which is a brainstem cancer. Mm. 
she, uh, the International Cancer Advocacy Network, it, it was called something different at the time, but that doesn't, what, what's important is they were, they tried to help. And unfortunately, uh, you know, with a, uh, one of these test programs, it didn't work. And my sister's daughter passed away. Mm. But I stayed on because I really liked uh, the person who runs it is Marsha Horn, does a phenomenal job. The International Cancer Advocacy Network helps people with late stage cancer. And they're a five star uh, charity. And the great nonprofits, just an incredible organization. So I started going to meetings and things, but I'm kind of a doer. And so I danced Argentine tango and I did an event in 2012 and it was very successful. And we pulled in a lot of uh, a reasonable amount of money for the charity again in 2014. And I came out after I left Raytheon, I came out here and, and I had a friend back from Tucson and said, well, you know, about doing a casino night. So I said, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. And uh, <laughs> the guy I worked with said, well, why don't you do a poker tournament? So I said, okay, so how do you get people to come to an event? Well, you go to their poker tournaments. <laughs> so I did what was called a free roll and I started playing and I really enjoyed the game. Uh, once it, the charity event had completed, I continued to play and we did more charity events uh, for a while. And that grew and it was, but I was absolutely fascinated with the game. So yeah. I kept taking notes. I pulled out an old statistics book from college. I just loved the mathematics of poker. And we'll get into that a little bit. But what happened was I ended up writing my first book on the math. Or not, it wasn't my first book I'd ever written, but it was a book on mathematics. And it's been very successful. It's on Amazon.com. It's now called Mastering Poker Math. And then we added the volume one <laughs> when the second volume came up. And in, uh, in this year, I came up with volume two. And that really goes deeply. Uh, the first one is basically learn the math at a visceral level and then integrate it with your game because they're so important. And the second one is to uh, know what your, what, what, what's called equity. You know, you have business equity, you have home equity, where you also have poker equity, okay? Yep. And, and so, you know, if you have pocket aces, I have pocket queens, your equity is 82%, which means you're going to win 82% of the time, okay? So that's pretty straightforward. But what happens when you get a third hand and a fourth hand and all this other stuff? So it gets, it gets really complex very fast. But um, the game is so deep uh, that uh, I've tried to uh, use practical math. And I'm just, I'm really pleased and excited that I've been able to do this work and it's uh it's helped a lot of people so that's, absolutely that's i i love it i've uh, looked at it on a cursory level because again it is a very very deep thing now speaking of deep um is there a is there a way that uh, uh you can simplify this at all uh, as a practitioner somebody who takes up these books does it simplify the process do you think well yes yes in many ways and i'll give you I'll, well let's let's do some examples you have yeah. 52 well you play cards correct or sometimes not? yes okay how many cards in a deck? 52, I think. Exactly. Uh, how many times does 52 go into 100, approximately? Oh, less than one. Oh, only well, one. Twice. Yeah, twice. twice. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So that's okay. Um, that's called the rule of two. Yep. And how the rule of two works is, let's say you have, uh, do you know what a straight uh, is in poker? That means five in a row. Yes. Three, four, five, six, seven. Okay? Yes. Real simple? Yep. So let's say uh, you have five, six in your hand and three, four come out. So um, the seven or and, or the two will give you a straight, correct? Correct. How many cards is that? 
six? Eight. eight. There's four and eight. Oh, of course. Because, oh, again, I don't play this too much. No, no, that's okay. But but there's eight outs. And what an out means is if you get one of those cards and the straight is the best hand, then you're going to win the hand. Right. Okay. I mean, there's there's always so if, if, if. <laughs> you know, somebody else and some other hands are out there and everything else. But for simplicity's sake, if you get a straight, let's say you're going to win the hand. So you know you have eight outs. Well, by the rule of two, that means you have a 16% probability of winning because 52 goes into 100 twice. It's it's that straightforward, okay? That's not exact, but it's close. close. So what 16% means? Well, if somebody makes a bet of, uh, let's say the pot is $90 and they put in 10, that makes it 100, okay? And if you... So if if it costs you 10 to get in the pot, well, I'm sorry, they have 80 and they put in 10, that's 90. It'll cost you 10 to get 100. So that means it costs you 10% of the pot, okay? Right, yep. If you're going to get 16% probability of winning, do you want to make the bet? The answer would be yes, right? Because mm-hmm. over the long term, maybe not now, maybe not three times in a row, but eventually you'll you'll do well, okay? Got it. So that's that's how you utilize that and then there's always it always gets very complex at that point because uh implied odds if if even if it was more than 16 percent of the bet then the fact that maybe you could take a lot more chips that from somebody else and yeah. so on and so forth you, okay? you clearly somebody you come across as somebody who um has a magnificent mind and i'm, I'm sure that the way that you teach people this makes a lot of sense but in terms of um writing the books themselves can you can you share with us how long it actually took you to put these two together sure uh the first book i would say took about a thousand hours and that uh that's that may or may not sound like a lot of time but let me let me explain when you're writing a book Mm. um i i was very fortunate on the first book that i wrote I had a gentleman, Arthur Frederick Ide, who helped me. And I, <laughs> I'll i give you my background. It's it, it, it's pretty amazing that I actually was held back in second grade, you know, partially because <laughs> I think it was English. And then also, I went to a second college to get through English because I was going to be an engineer. Oh, I won't need this, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I paid for that sin more times than I can tell you. <laughs> and um, I literally, I'm serious, I went to another college just to get to through the English because I'm not going to need that. <laughs> As I said, sometimes you pay for your sins, and I guarantee you I paid for that sin. Um, you know, instead of just trying to really st- study. But but my skill in writing is not uh, being a super grammar person. It's about explaining very complex I- I- uh, ideas mm-hmm. in a way that are very understandable as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, that's you can't wonderful. make it simple. No, I, I love it. You know, there's certain topics that you just can't skirt around the the complexities of it. And by by definition, um, poker is um, a complex game. Now, I um, I'd love to just quickly, if we could, talk a little bit about. We know what your uh, your hobby slash sport is. It's poker by by and large. But um, I also know that uh, on your website, and I've done my research because I think it's important um, that you do reference a movie called Moneyball. Is a movies a thing for you? Do you enjoy watching movies? Oh, I love watching movies. Well, I'm glad you brought up Moneyball. Yeah. Because after I finished my first book, I had stuff in there that was, I answered questions. People, I sit at the poker table and somebody say, I hate pocket jacks. I hate pocket jacks. <laughs> and you would hear this so many, just ridiculous number of times. So I said, okay, let's do the math of pocket jacks, right? 
and and I'm I'm coming around to your question if it's okay. I've yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. So 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 with pocket jacks, I ran the mathematics, and if you have, if if there's nine people at a table, and one or two people have an ace, king, or queen, okay, one to three people, or two to three people, I'm sorry, then the probability of an ace, king, or queen still hitting the flop, okay, the next three cards that come out is still 62%. <laughs> so there's a good reason to hate pocket jacks for some people. So they overbet them, they lose half their stack, and then they complain about the pocket jacks instead of just playing them correctly, which is make a bet, but don't expect it to be the best hand at the end of the hand. You yeah, know? Yeah. And, and so that type of thing in the first book, but I kept afterwards, I had a spark um, that ended up only being a paragraph or two in the book, which is fascinating. Um, which was, I was curious about if you have a pocket pair, what's the probability somebody else has one? Well, it turns out to be a Monte Carlo simulation. <laughs> it's really complex and it's not absolutely necessary for the book, yep. but I kept yep. writing it. And the second book, uh, I was almost done in November of last year or so I thought and had about 700 hours in the book. But I found something called Grammarly to help me with the grammar. Oh, yes. Very familiar and, with that. Yes. Good. And, and what happened was that plus the fact that I, I kept smoothing it out. Think of something as smooth as silk, but it's got all these bumps and lumps and hairs and everything else you got to get rid of. <laughs> and so I didn't release the book till August of this year. And I put in another seven, 800 hours. So that book has about 1500 hours in it, but I'm extremely proud of it because it gets back to Moneyball. As I kept going, why wasn't this done before? And then I saw the movie Moneyball again, and it's with Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt uh, is, uh, he plays Billy Bean, which is the general manager of the Oakland Athletics. Well, he meets a guy named, well, they, he got um, he got spanked, <laughs> I guess, in, I believe it was in 2001. Well, it was a 2011 movie, but anyway, in 2001, he got spanked. And he went into... Uh, he was pretty depressed after the season and they only had a certain amount of money to be able to uh, buy new, you know, buy players and everything. Okay. Yep. yep. So, but he met a guy named uh, Peter Brand, who was a, uh, a um, statistics guy yep. from Yale yep. and they got together and, and economics, I'm sorry, graduate from Yale. And it had radical ideas, which was instead of paying for the best players, pay for the players who help you win the most games. Ah, yep. You know, to get on base, you know, to run away. Even if, even if some guy would get on base because of the fact that, you know, he stood a little too close to the plate or whatever, it didn't. It mattered that consistently, statistically, that you would get runs, okay? Yep. And so they started a rough season next year, but they end up breaking a record of over 20 game wins. Okay. And they went on to the American league division series and they played against the Minnesota's twins. They lost, but they achieved, um, you know, in 2002 using the mathematics uh, that, you know, winning games with a budget was possible. It was possible. Well, yeah. guy named Henry, who was the owner of the Red Sox, Boston Red Sox pulls Bill, he being aside and says, you know, would you work for us? Now he declined the offer, but if he had taken it, it was like twelve and a half million dollars. He'd been the highest-paid general manager. Now I think he's a little crazy, and I'm not sure why he refused. You know, <laughs> but 
but you know, it was, it was something inside of him that he was committed to the team or something. I don't know, mm. but it was interesting. Anyway, Boston Red Sox put it in, and in 2004 they won the World Series, and they hadn't won in 86 years. They called it the the curse of the Bambino because it, when 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 the Boston Red Sox had had um, sold Babe Ruth back 86 years ago, they never won a World Series Again. since then. Yeah. So until then, so the curse of the so-called curse of the Bambino Bambino was finally you know vanquished, right? And Broken. if yep. that's the right word. So the moral of the story is that. In, in huge industries, even like baseball or poker, sometimes there's something missing. There's a huge gap. And the gap in the poker math, I thought it should have been done 20 years ago, but nobody just sat there and, and really pontificated it like I have. Hmm. Okay. And that's not to say other people are capable or anything else, but so many people, even some of the top players, they just don't get the fact of how the mathematics can be utilized. Now, I've not won any major championships and things like this, but I do understand at a very visceral level, I can even tell you, if you're playing in front of me, what you potentially have been dealt. And in times when I'm in a betting routine, that helps me make a decision based on the mathematics plus based what I know about you as a player. So it just means it's a little bit of an edge. It's not a huge edge, mm -hmm. but it helps with the confidence and where you can say, well, I think, you know, it, it doesn't feel like this, but you know it by the mathematics. So you can accelerate the skills in the game much quicker than you ordinarily could. So this is all uh, above board legitimate strategies. This is not like counting cards or anything like that. I don't really even understand what that term means. Is that part of it or how does that come into this picture? Well, yeah. Um, well, let's go back to counting cards. Counting cards is in... in, in, in um, blackjack or 21 right and and that is a very legitimate thing there's a movie out called um 21 and it's based off a book called bringing down the house it's some and i actually have that story in my second book mm -hmm. uh it, 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 when i talk about future probabilities because what happened was an mit professor got together with a bunch of the students and they they smashed vegas for about five years by going out and counting cards and what they did was think of density okay yeah and you have you know aces kings queens jacks tens right you know a certain density and by counting the number of higher cards that are coming out and i don't remember the exact number but at some point it means that the density that's coming out means that the probability that the next cards you know when you're when you're playing are going to be a certain number of cards by knowing those probabilities, you can make bets instead of you, you make all these smaller bets until they had these hand signals or whatever and, yep. or facial ticks or whatever the heck they were. <laughs> and then they would change and make larger bets and they would win. And out of five years, like the uh, one of the, the, the story in the actual book, personally, I don't like the movie that much. It's too Hollywood. Yep. And, it was, and I really like, but I, I love the mathematics behind it. And what happened was... In five years, my understanding is that they got 30% uh, on their investors every single year consistently. Wow. And it was, you know, there was, you know, there's always human emotion, everything else in there. And, and, and so you get full of your own self and things. And I watch that type of stuff a lot in, in any type of game. But the bottom line was, you know, now they have card counters and things like this. So you can't count cards. Now, Texas Hope Bowl and Hole is totally different because you're not playing against the house. 
when I go to play a tournament, whether it's in a casino or whether it's in a card house like we have here in Texas, mm -hmm. you pay a certain amount to enter the tournament, right? So they already have their, the casino already has their money. What, when, when I'm counting cards, it's basically I know what the probabilities are. If I have two flush cards or two hearts in my hand and there's two hearts on the board, I know there's nine hearts out there, then it can help me make my flush. And if I think if I have an ace of hearts and another card, I know that I will have the nut flush, which means I will win the hand as long as the board isn't paired. If the board is paired, then there could be a boat, uh, full house. Okay. Yep. But, yep. but so if I know there's nine cards out there, you remember the rule of two again? Mm -hmm. So what percentage is that? Can't remember. Nine times two is 18. Exactly. 18% probability. So that means if somebody makes a bet of, uh, let's say 200 into a 800, uh, you know, 800 pot. Okay that, um, you know, uh, I'll I, if I make, I'm sorry, if they make a two into 600 and then it costs me 200, which is 20%. So yep. I'm basically getting almost even money. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, if you, there, there's a whole bunch of equities, you know, and you have full equity and you also have, um, well, and, and you have the, uh, the thing here is like implied odds. Okay. Yep. If somebody make, if, even if you don't have the odds to make the bet, if you if if you get the card you want, you might be able to take part of or all the other person's stack. So you think about that. But that's yeah. where the game is really complex, and that oh, can look. make it fun. <laughs> I can tell you. I mean, I can tell this is a passionate thing for you, especially given the mission and where this all came from. I think that's critically important for everybody to remember. It's not just about going out there for greed or anything like that. There's a real mission behind what you're doing, and and now helping others to be better players is obviously part of that bigger mission. Now, oh, you mentioned earlier when you play tournaments um, and you go to certain places. What I what I what I had a thought was. Um, it's an interesting one is that you had become known you'd almost have relationships with these places that you you uh play at how does that work when they start to know you they know the face and they know you know here he comes again what what, what do you think their response is <laughs> well it's it's actually very positive uh where i play at the lodge mm -hmm. here in round rock texas their people are very um yeah they i'm i'm extremely well known because they know I play, and they they play I play extremely solid, and they know that they better be careful. I had a gentleman <laughs> the other day. He was, he was sitting to the left of me, which is a better position to be in, okay, than the um, and, than after, and he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, well, no, I'm no, I'm sorry, no, no, he was to the left. I'm sorry, oh, no, that's right. a worse position. Oh, right, me, eh? But he said to me at one point. I think he he might even had more chips than me, but I had a really good hand. And somehow he's in his his spider sense says, "No, I'm not going to get it in this hand." <laughs> I know you're asleep. You're, you're going to set set a trap. <laughs> and he was absolutely correct. It says exactly what I was doing. You know? It was, and and I told him, and I've told other people. I've had people say, "I knew you were doing that." You know, when I beat somebody. And I go, the show wasn't for you. It was customized for this other person. I don't care what you think as long as you don't say anything. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, if I've got a weak player, then I'm going to play it differently than if I have a strong player. Mm. You know, a strong mm. player is going to going to see through certain things and weak players, you know, you just, <laughs> there's magical things you can do. And one of the most fun things is to trap somebody 
well, they never see it coming. You know, they, it goes, how did, how did you have that hand? Well, you know, that's, you know, oh, next time I'll tell you, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, like I'm, I might be able to educate you. You might need to buy my books. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, talked about, you talked about spidey senses and uh, the word intuition came up. Do you think that's important in this, in this whole well, dimension? It, it's incredibly, if, if I had to go between the math and the intuition, in some ways and almost say the intuition, it's really tough. And because you can't just, it, it, tournaments are different than cash. And I just started playing cash a little bit ago. Um, I probably spent only one or 2% of my time on cash. And the reason mm -hmm. was, is because when I was writing the books, I, I had to be very pure in my mind. I was concerned if I played cash that it was going to pollute my mind. And I didn't want that where I start thinking of scenarios where this wouldn't work. And if you're trying to explain a subject at the depth that I was, you want to be careful to it. They're both applicable, but let's say in a cash game, for example, now it's helped me when I play cash, because when I see somebody make a bet, usually in poker, uh, at the very first round, so they get pretty crazy, but when it's a decent sized game, and it's a, let's say a couple hundred dollars to get into, there's still some players that after the first couple of rounds, they'll still go five to 10 times the big blind when they make a bet. When they do that, I almost immediately know they're a cash player. So that tells me something about them and how they play. Uh -huh. Cash players will risk way more on very simple hands. So these become key people that you can potentially trap, okay? Yep. So you just become very passive and if you hit the one hand you want, sometimes you can take them out of a tournament or really get a huge number of their chips, if that makes sense. Yes. People communicate all the time. Mostly it's through their betting, and sometimes uh, their betting, the way they handle their chips, the way they, uh, the speed of how they, you know, move their chips uh, are the primary things. You know, people can wear sunglasses all day long, and I actually will wear semi-sunglasses mm -hmm. because just to keep, uh, to give a little more because the glare of any type of glasses helps distract just a little bit. But yeah. the some people that wear the dark sunglasses and everything, they don't, then they don't pay attention to the sizing of their bet and how fast they bet, which is, which is communicates much more than you're going to ever see in the eyes. When you see somebody in the eyes, the only thing I can usually gain is an intuition type of thing. And I can't even tell you what it, it, it just instincts tell me that, that, you know, the person is weak or strong. And I can't even, it's hard to even put it into words if that makes sense. Yeah, but there's a couple of things that come from this is uh, one is uh, your strategy on the day, do they change? But also, are there days where you, you feel a bit off and that you maybe even talk about in your book to not play? Are there those times? <laughs> I don't go into that a lot, but absolutely. I mean, I played last Sunday and I played extremely solid and I got a good stack size and it's really easy sometimes to lose focus. Mm. to gain too much confidence and in poker i have seen so many times where people <laughs> absolutely uh what what's the name of it they um uh, self-delusion is huge in poker mm. and i try to stay away from that i'll give you an example in a minute but but the uh but i didn't all day and i end up taking like eight out of 97 so it was a nice it was a good day that was sunday yep and and um but I was, I'll give you an example of one poker tournament. If you have a pocket pair, there's only a 12% probability that a third card will hit. If it does, then you got an extremely strong hand and it's extremely well disguised because people can't see it. So let's say um, Jack 
five, two hits the flop. Seems like a very dry flop. If somebody has an ace jack, they think they're way ahead. And the person who has pocket fives has three of a kind right now with the potential for a boat on the next card, right? So, uh, which is a full house, I'm sorry. If I, if I say okay. anything, no, it doesn't that's make okay. sense. No, but, that makes but, sense. So what happens is I watch this guy and the hen went to showdown. He bet a third of his stack to stay in it and he ended up doubling up. And afterwards he was arrogant, throwing chips in the pot, oh. thinking that he's a good player. And I knew that he was super lucky on what happened to him. Yep. And it was like this communicated volumes to me on the type of player he was, you know, that he was, he was out of his league in this game. It was a, it was a big game. It was a $600 game. Mm-hmm. And I, in my humble opinion, he should have been back in the hundred, two hundred dollar games when he was playing like this. And, and it was a big tournament, but a lot, so many of them think it's luck. And yeah, in that time he got lucky, but we were right near the bubble and, or the, were they bagging that night? And so you paid 600 bucks in the tournament. And if you bagged, you got $800 bonus, right? Yeah. So he was right near there and risking that much, (laughs) you know, for, for that little, um, that's just that's just not understanding the mathematics. Now, Chuck, um, you've talked um, in various term terminologies, and I think it's important that we shift our, our focus coming to the sharper, pointy end of the, the call of, of what's actually going to be found by those who are interested in getting their hands on these wonderful books. What are some of the, the things inside that we can uh, expect to see? Well, the first book is to give a huge uh, understanding and appreciation for the mathematics, the practical mathematics, not some theoretical, you know, I I do actually, my second book, I I call it theory, but it's actually practical. Yep. It's, you know, it's, it's the, uh, that, so it's, it's. The need to knows rather than nice to knows. Right. Right. And I work with the need to knows as much as possible. So you could, if you read the book and you could memorize it immediately, you could use it immediately at the tables. Right. So that's, that's one of the goals that I have. And so that the first book is learning the math viscerally and then also gaining an understanding uh, of, of utilizing with the rest of your game. Because a lot of the math stuff that's out there, they don't do that in all due respect. There's yeah. some good stuff out there, and I'm not going to go. There's another uh, gentleman who has a really good book, and I kind of like this first book a little more than the second one because the second one, it was expanded, but he never really got into the other parts of the game. And to me, it's, you know, just knowing the math is no way enough. You know, you've yeah. got to put it with the rest. So I was very uh, careful. And then the second book, it's, uh, even though, you know, the first book gave a real strong understanding of math, it goes even deeper in the mathematics and uh, on, on a level to become um, basically what's your equity, you yeah. know, if, and, and think of equity as ownership, like we mentioned before. If you have have pocket aces or another cards, or you know you have multiple players, what's your approximate equity? And then and then what is your risk assessment? Okay, mm-hmm. because there's always risk in poker, right? You make any in anything hand. in life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got uh, let's say you have yeah, let's say you have an ace, and you know, or you're in a big poker tournament. I mean, I'm giving a, an extreme example, but you yep. have an ace, and there on the board is ace, ace, five, five, um, four. Okay, and the you think you have the absolute nuts, which means you can't lose. 
well, there's one hand that can beat you, and that is pocket fives. Yep. <laughs> and and that is incredibly rare, and almost no player, hardly that that is. If somebody can fold that, that's. I could. I might. I might be able to do that in a certain type of tournament with a certain type of player. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, but if I had pocket aces, I'd know they're one other ace, and the person would probably play if they had an ace the same way they'd play if they had the pocket fives. So if they're a good player, you'd never know the pocket fives. If that makes sense. Yep. So that's an ex that's an extreme example, but as a player, you need to know what could beat you so that you don't, Oh my gosh, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's risk and it's calculated risk and, yep. and going out with the full house like that in a tournament, almost any tournament is, is, is very respectable. Even the, even the highest paying tournaments in the world. Okay. Yeah. And no, no pro would, if the other person played it, it played the quads correctly. Almost no pro would ever, uh, you know, insult the person that, that wasn't able to fold. I mean, because you shouldn't fold. <laughs> I see here, you know, this really um, brings all of the other dimensions to playing poker properly. You know, we've talked about intuition. We've talked about understanding mathematics. We've talked about risk assessments, confidence, probabilities. This, to me, is, the book seems to be more like a gateway tool, a resource that people can start to learn more about this. But... I suspect that there's going to be almost a relationship that they need to build with someone like you to to learn more. Do you work with people? How do, how can pe people work with you to get more help to, to learn how to play properly? Well, they can uh, more than happy to contact me through um, my email. I can mm -hmm. give that to you. The um, and I if if I work with somebody, I prefer I definitely prefer that they read my books first because I don't want to you know, it's, it's not inexpensive, but it's, yeah, I, I want to make sure that the person gets something out of it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I don't want to, and, and the same way as, as, as for your program, I don't want to waste my time either. Okay. No. I don't want to teach somebody some of the very basics when I can guide them to a book. You know, if they're asking me about the rule of two and four and how to count outs and things like that, they should know that what they should be asking me is I'm in this situation and I'm third from last and somebody makes a bet and I didn't know whether what to do. So I just start asking the same questions. How large is your stack? What time is it? Where is it in the tournament? What type of player has this been? Okay. What type of tournament is this? What, you know, and, and I start asking all, and it's always the same questions. And after a while, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I get them to think for themselves, you know, yep. so I'm trying to, I'm kind of trying to work myself out of a job. I know that sounds crazy, but that's the way it is. No, no, okay? that's, you, you know, you're getting to a, a finite end. Um, and I like that, you know, you're not just trying to, you know, sap out more money and all the rest of it. You're trying to actually help people become better players. That's the ultimate goal here. Now, um, I know that you have a, a number of different um, areas on your website, but um, when people get to your website, one, what is it? And two, what are they going to find when they get there? Well, uh, my website is www.masteringpokermath.com, and it's uh, which is the name of my books also. So if you go to uh, Google, I mean uh, Amazon, you can find them under Mastering Poker Math Volume One and Volume Two. Mm -hmm. The um, and on there I have the books, and then if you're if you're more of an audio visual uh, kinesthetic type person, then I have a course on there, and it's 
it's an excellent course. It's a little five hours and that'll take you through. And then you go all these tests and everything else. And that can really help somebody if they, you know, cause some people just don't like books that much, but that <laughs> is audio visual. And then you take tests and then you can, you know, you have access to it for at least six, six months. So that's great. The other thing before I forget Rick that I want to mention yes. is that poker and I've given um, a couple presentations on this and I keep, uh, the other part of this, if anybody has a company or a, a organization that they want me to speak at, because poker is a microcosm of life and it's of the real world, okay? And it's kind of a gymnasium in the mind. So there's things that when you play poker, if you start thinking about it, you can learn tremendous business skills, everything from resiliency, assessing the competition, adaptability, uh, thinking strategically, emotional intelligence. There's all sorts of wonderful things. And poker has also uh, been utilized before in in military skills. Some of the people who are some of the top po uh, chess players have come over to poker, more so than people going from, from poker to chess. And the reason for that is there's a lot more, you know, for all the brain power it takes to do chess, there's a lot more money in poker, right? So yeah, it's yeah. kind of a one-way street. And that <laughs> kind of makes sense. I mean, that, and and this, you know, chess is an incredible game as well. I've only played a little bit, but, you know, in, in years past, but I, I played for, for a little bit, but nothing, nothing in competition. Yep. Yeah. So um, yeah, I can see what you're saying here. I mean, there, there's an expanded audience here, and this is particularly relevant uh, to our, to the My Future Business audience you're suggesting. Yes. Absolutely. Well, look, um, if you are on today's call, um, we have literally just scratched the surface on this very deep uh, topic. Um, if you want to learn more, the, the first step forward um, to work with Chuck is to visit his uh, website at masteringpokermath.com. I'll be providing that link for you so you can go have a look at his website. There's a lot of information on there. I really enjoyed um, looking through this website myself, Chuck. And with all that being said, thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. Rick, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.